This week on Planet Internet, is rainbowfication a problem or a blessing for the gay community? What is going on with the Apple refresh and updates? And what's happening with JBS Foods and the cybersecurity incidences going on in America right now? So, this week on Planet Internet, my name is Amy Tom, and I am the host of this podcast, and today I'm joined with the Dows. It's Amy and the Dows. How exciting is this? We have Ling Dow Smoke, and she is the COO, and we have a new guest on the podcast, Kian Dow, and he is the brother of Ling Dow Smoke and the designer of Hacker Noon. So, welcome to the podcast, uh, uh, guys. Uh, brand executive. <clears throat> oh, Oh my gosh, brand executive. Excuse me, I've been corrected. Anyways, so let's start by sharing our new Hacker Noon website. It is rainbowified, and that is why we would like to chat about the rainbowification of logos, of marketing material. And so I wanted to share this Instagram post that is from a Instagram handle called So You Want to Talk About. And it's called, it's talking about rainbow washing and rainbowification. So Ling, can you share what your thoughts are on rainbow washing? Absolutely. By the way, I just want to say that I want to redeem myself in this podcast by having crystal clear audio quality. And I want to <laughs> apologize to all of our previous listeners of the previous podcast who have to endure my background noise. I am sorry. All right. <laughs> let's dive deep into rainbow watching. What is it? Obviously, it's Pride Month. Happy Pride, everyone. And If you have not been living under the rock, you should have seen that most of your favorite brands and corporations and companies have put on either a merch store or changed their logo, changed the look of their website to look like rainbow in celebration of Pride Month. Us, not an exception because just like Amy's show, we did it as well. But I want to talk about what the implication of of this rainbowification of everything actually is in, in our corporate and capitalist culture. Uh, a lot of skeptics and a lot of people on the left have uh, backlash and rightfully criticizing that this is just a marketing ploy, m- merchandization of something that means so much to people as uh, the LGBTQ's community movement towards equality and justice. And I would say that as the uh, leader of Hakanoon, we are committed to not doing that. And we want to address that head on. And we want to, first of all, direct people to this article. This Instagram article is beautiful. It has a lot of resources on how to check whether or not the corporations that you support actually put the money behind the cost. So that's number one. Is It's important to see the motivations. Number two, rainbow and the fact that we celebrate pride is not in and of itself bad, right? Like it is important that we have this month, we have like all of these colors just washing over us and telling us that the LGBTQs community have come a long way. So in and of itself is not bad. Now what's bad is that a lot of, of corporations actually take advantage of this and how you can see that for yourself. Now we at Hakanoon, 
by no way and no chance in hell would ever make profit out of our rainbowification uh, of the Hakanoon logo and the Hakanoon banner, as you see. What we do want to do, though, is to just tell a community of 3 million readers a month. A lot of them, bros, like that's the only way I can say it. Like a lot of them are male in the eight, like in the age group of 18 to 25, that we support our LGBTQ's friends and you know, readers and writers. And we are here to committing to do more. And that's all I have to say on the matter. Go check out So You Want to Talk About. I love that account. And I'm still getting educated to this day on uh, important topics. Yeah, I absolutely agree with everything that you said. I think the contention or the point of being able to tell whether a company is truly behind the cause or just wants to profit off of that is whether they're giving money to the cause and or ensuring that they're not profiting off of it, like making an LGBTQ plus version of their product or whatever it might be, profiting off of the sales, even if they donate some of the sales to the organizations that support LGBTQ plus, you're still profiting off of the idea of, yeah, that whole, like, you're jumping on the bandwagon, essentially, and you're not really truly getting behind the cause of it. Do you think, Ling, as a tech organization, that rainbow washing, or not rainbow washing, but rainbow vacation is controversial? I think it could be, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't address it or shouldn't talk about it or shouldn't. I always come back to this quote, right? Like in situation of justice, if you stay silent, then you remain with the oppressor. So we don't want to like remain silent and just pretend that we are neutral about the LGBTQ's movement and the fight for justice within the, our, our, our queer community. At the same time, it, it's hard for me as a woman of color, as well as the tech executive running this whole show, knowing that a lot of our readers, a lot of our writers are more conservative and are more skeptical of, for example, the time that we put up the Black banner about Black Lives Matter back in May last year and this time as well. But that doesn't mean that we should not talk about it or should not address it. That just means that we have to be mindful and aware like one of the slides in here did talk about how you can check for like the intention by going to some kind of index that see if the corporations actually donate to LGBTQ anti-LGBTQ anti cause, uh, such as donating mm -hmm. to politicians that do like anti-trans or anti-gay bills. So that could be one way that we could direct the you know, attention of our readers and our listeners to that kind of resources. But yeah, this is absolutely the beginning of what we can do as an organization. And we should not, and we will not stop here. This is just like opening up uh, an uh, invitation to for our readers to think about it. A lot of them, mm -hmm. again, as established, a bros, a male, uh, younger. Yeah, that website, I will just say, audio-wise is progressiveshopper.com so that you can check that out. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. And I also really what you said about being open and moving forward because I think we're humans, we're not always perfect. 
I know for myself, I'm always on a journey to learn more and to correct myself. Like, I think if you can prove, if you can say, look back at five years, yourself five years ago and see all the things that you thought were right, but you now think are wrong, that's growth and that's, you're willing to make a change. So I hope that's how I want to be as a person. And that's the kind of company that I want to work for that would acknowledge that things are changing and that we're having our ears to the ground and we're listening. So Kian, what is it like in Vietnam where you're from in terms of branding around LGBTQ+. I think that's a very great question, Amy. In terms of LGBTQ matters, I would say the youth, the youth, the Gen V, the millennials are really trying hard to to provide as much information as possible to do as much act to act as much as possible and to try to convince the basically the whole of the government, the country to like to care more about the matter, like for the time being to care more mm-hmm. about the matter. And I, I feel as a developing country, we are making pretty good progress. I remember back in 2015, it was a long process, but the bill for accepting gay marriage in Vietnam has finally been passed. And I remember that that was a very joyful time. Um, everyone went out, that on the, on, yeah. went out onto the streets and we parade, we, we flags everywhere and people just like go dress up and celebrate the, the bill being passed. And I, I feel like that, that was one of the steps for Vietnam to be closer to accepting LGBTQ matters. Yeah, but I would say we, there's still a long way to go for Vietnam, definitely. Yeah. Like we still have a lot um, to catch up with, a lot of giving, raising awareness for people, but we are getting there. And yeah, I think I'm pretty proud of that small step, but make a big impact. Yeah. When I think about LGTP, LGD, LGT, <laughs> LGBT, LGBT, when I think about LSD, I think about LGBTQ+, plus, I, yeah. it, in an international sense, I think it's, I feel sad, I I'm intrigued, I'm confused because for me growing up in Canada, I have always been exposed to gay culture, I think, and have I have really progressive parents. I think that's also helped. Yeah, I, I've grown up with this like rainbowification of things and I've never really I had not really put too much thought into it until adult life when I realized that in places like India or more conservative places where there are people who are, I don't know how to even describe this, like people who are more on the right, I have no idea, of people who just don't believe in gay marriage or gay rights or equal opportunities or things like that. And it's almost shocking to me. Like it's a culture shock to think about that because in North America, especially in Canada, it's it's so normalized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm like even doubly proud of Vietnam being such a conservative country in other matters that was still able to pass that bill. I feel like the government really did something right there. I remember the pride I felt, (laughs) the pride I felt that day and just going on the street with all of our friends, many of whom are like uh, older actually, like the LGBTQ movement in Vietnam, I feel like it's a lot more progressive than a lot of other causes that like the younger people are trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. And also I forgot to bring this up, but recently a candidate for, and wait, how do you call it? For the, for the, 
is it Congress? I, I think it, okay, I think it was Congress. So a candidate, we finally have a LG, LGBTQ TI, uh, LGBTQIA plus member who is a candidate for the Congress. So like to us, like the youngster, like it, it was like a totally bold move and we are, we're very proud of him. Other than being a pretty successful lawyer, like he has done so many things for the community and to be actually brave enough to apply to be a, a candidate for Congress. And even though it had sparked controversy among many people, but I, I feel that I feel like controversial matters are good. Like it shows that people care. Like people are, are actually like noticing him and, and how he's presenting himself as a candidate. And mm-hmm. that sparked like multiple arguments like around on social media, on different platforms. And yeah, I think it, it's a good day for Vietnam. Yeah. Like it's a very good day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about how we have rainbow-fied the Hacker Noon logo. And uh, that is also why I am very keen to chat with you, Kian, who is the brand executive, excuse me, of the Hacker Noon brand. And so can you run us through this article that you wrote on HackerNoon.com about the, not rebranding, but rainbowfication of the Hacker Noon brand? Sure. Thank you, Amy. So I wrote this article. By the way, it's my second article. It may not be a good read, but it's a really good read. You should totally read it. It's Uh, a great read. Listen, Kian wrote it. I edited it. It's perfect. We are the perfect combo. Oh, yeah. Find a flaw there. We can't. Yeah. Tell me about um, your research. What what went on there? So as a brand executive or designer or a creator of some kind, I feel very strongly that we should put much, not a a lot, but like an adequate amount of research into what we are designing and into what we are trying to deliver. And especially when it comes to pride, I feel like we can learn more and more about it every day about pride. And so I did a little bit of research and to separate ourselves from other companies that are also rain- rainbowifying themselves. These days, I decided to go with the, they call it the pro- Progress Pride Flag, designed by Daniel Kassar back in 2018. And what's interesting, what's very great, what's exciting about the flag is that it incorporates the colors of transgender people and people of color. And if you go back to the uh, to history of Pride back in 19. 19- 69, the very first Pride riot, The if it were not for people of color and transgender people, Pride would have never happened. And I, I feel very strongly about the, this flag that, that emphasized the importance of their, of their work for everything they've done with Pride. And yeah, I decided to go with, with, the, with the rainbow colors and the one, two, three, four, five, six extra colors and incorporate them into the Hakanun logo. There's a whole tutorial here on how to on how to help you guys create the logo of your choice and to rainbowify it. So I won't bother you with that. I want to tell a little bit of the intersection uh, between the six colors and and the five new uh, newly added colors. It, they are diagonal and so and so like they create some some sort of interaction an intersection of colors, which is where like when two lines meet. And in the middle, that's where they they share everything. Like that, that's where like everything, er, everything on each of the line have the same in common in that very intersection, mm-hmm. in that very dot. And so I feel this can help like bring 
the meaning of pride closer to people. So I, I want people to understand more of what pride can mean and what pride can help you understand more about the hu- humanity in general. And so by having that, by having them like inter- interfacting in an interfaction, that I hope to have some some sort of reality where people yeah. all meet in one point and share all the similarity similarity with each other and have all the mutual understanding for each other. So yeah. that's the 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 depth of, of that. So I, yeah, that's I, great. I, I, I think like- I think it's a huge point in LGBTQ plus culture as well because like you were saying these people have been instrumental in bringing awareness and to to the community and the idea of having to face multiple layers of racism sexism it's yeah it's heavy and and i that's why i appreciate that we have added this into the rainbowification of the hacker noon logo as well this is the first year that i've seen this become more popular would Mm -hmm. you say that's true kian this flag has been around since 2018 it was originally the flag of philadelphia state but it wasn't until 2020 when the black life Black Lives Matter movement become popular globally that the designer for that flag decided to income to to popularize the flag more. And so I would say from 2020 until now, it has been more and more widely used. And I hope for it to be even more widely used yeah. by many people. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I think that that also comes down to partially the admittance that you were wrong. Like when you, Mm. as a brand, decide to add the intersectionality into your mix, when you maybe weren't doing that before, you're acknowledging that this is a new era and we're moving past, or we're trying to move forward and support the people of color as well. So Um, thank you very much, Ken, for sharing that story. And I also wanted to chat with you, the Apple lover, <laughs> about the Whoa. Apple recap. I assume that back you watch back? every okay. single minute of it. Is it true? Let me take a sip of water. <laughs> Honestly, wow. ever since I knew him, which is all of his <laughs> life, he has been the biggest Apple fanatic. And this, the first gift Apple thing, uh, and I think they have evidence of this online. Let me find it somewhere put in the show notes. <laughs> is when I was 22 years old and he was 13 and I sent back home in Vietnam an iPod and he literally cried his heart, like crying his eyes out. Like he was like bawling, <laughs> opening the thing. And ever since there's this Apple conference, like I have never not seen him like being so excited about Apple. Like last podcast, we like talk about our kind of love for Apple, right? Oh my God, mm-hmm. he, he is a different level. Just kind of. <laughs> oh, so you got him his first Apple product. Yeah, I still got that iPod Aww. and um, it doesn't really work anymore, but it's a souvenir. Like it's a, my first yeah. technology that I ever owned. Yeah. So, so yeah. what do you think about Monterey? Take me to the me. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about Monterey? Damn it! All right. Okay. Oh, all right. All right. All right. So I'm most excited for the back of West Monterey. First of all, I love the name Monterey. Lynn took me there. It's a very peaceful. What is it like? A, a state? No, it's not. A state, I'm sorry. A, a county. 
very peaceful. And what's amazing about the macOS Monterey is that it's a function called universal control. And so what it does exactly is you have a PC or you have a, I'm sorry, you have an iMac or a Mac, MacBook and you have an iPad. So basically you can do everything across all three devices. So like, for example, you can drag your cursor from your MacBook onto the iPad and you can export the file on the iPad and drag it back onto the MacBook. And you can copy some text or some image on the MacBook and paste it on the iPad. So basically a much stronger ecosystem than what Apple is currently having right now. And mm -hmm. I can't tell you, I can't, I can't really stress this enough, like how much like how drastically it would change my life as a yes. brand executive. Okay, yeah. I was going to say that I feel right. like a lot of the Apple things that they yeah. released in this conference were very focused towards content creators and designers. That, that's true. And developers too, but we'll, we'll touch on that. But like, for example, I use Procreate a lot and I know that Amy um, used Procreate a lot. Yes. Um, she's a great artist, by the way. She gave me like a, a painting of a dog or a cat the other day, and I was like totally mind blown. Like the colors and I everything. See it. You should. And okay, back back to Procreate. So <laughs> I usually have to draw something, maybe a design element or a or a mock-up of some kind. And so what I have to do is I have to export it as in PNG or mm -hmm. a Adobe Photoshop file. And then I have to airdrop it all the way to my MacBook and have mm -hmm. to wait 15 to a minute, 15 seconds to a minute for my MacBook to retrieve the file, and then I have to open the file on my MacBook. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But with the universal control, you can actually, the file is right here. You can drag it. You can drag it onto your desktop and onto your wallpaper and open it right away. It will take Whoa. like literally 10 seconds. Like I'm, Tim I'm, Cook, I, I is that I'm you? <laughs> okay, I'm, I think I'm, I'm screaming right now, but I, I, I think okay, people are like, I'm saying I may be overreacting, but I think you are underreacting like to how amazing <laughs> universal control is. Like, it, it Remember? Just my Let's switch here a little bit. I, I swear it's related, but. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, okay yeah, go. So I want to talk about this whole kind of move to privacy that like this new yes. update. Oh, uh, yes. Really yeah. 14.6. Yes. Yeah, so I just this morning updated my iOS to the 14.6 version. This is the verifying update kind of screenshot for our audio listeners. And then I went on Facebook because I'm a millennial. Mm -hmm. uh, and it says you are on iOS 14.6. This version requires us to ask for permission to track some data from this device to improve your ads. Done, done, done. And I'm like, okay, that's new. And then say what it actually does in terms of like tracking. And then it has this pop-up that says, do you want to allow Facebook to track your activity across other companies' apps and websites? That is the yes. first time I think an iOS update actually transparently tells you that you can opt in or opt out of being tracked across the web. And I think it has something to do with masking your IP or something. I don't know. Developers can mm -hmm. tell me. Yeah. That's, I don't know. The skeptic in me says that, wow, this is just Apple being so Apple. 
and great at marketing again because mm-hmm. what Apple has always been good at is direct relation and direct kind of like stickiness with the users mm-hmm. and as users, our generation, the Gen Zs, even the, the later millennials, and just uh, just more privacy focus. It like switch. Of course, we're gonna make this move. We're gonna make it all about privacy at mm-hmm. the cost of advertisers and smaller companies that depend on Apple on mm-hmm. Apple Marketplace and on the App Store. So yeah, yeah, just thought to bring it up because that's pretty interesting no, to me as right. a consumer. And yeah, yes, it's yes. A very, very... And okay, so <laughs> maybe as a millennial, you haven't run into much spam yet. So. Imagine like having something inappropriate pop up on your ad, and Nora like looking at it. You might change your mind. Yeah. But yeah, I would say uh, this is a pretty uh, consistent move for Apple for three years in a row now. So the iOS 14.6, in order to bring the clarity, like the, bring the transparency to users, like they in the in Apple's words, like users deserve to know how and where they are be, being tracked, and. This year, like I, th- uh, they take they took it to another level, like with introducing iCloud Plus. So if you have or haven't already know iCloud as we use today, like we, they have basically everything on like our data on there. So Apple decided to level it up one bit. So from now on, using iCloud, we can get away from all the tracking from internet. Mm-hmm. So you know how the internet is tracking us via our IP address, and yeah. so like. Some of the time, like when you when we're talking about, I would say banana and banana bread, and I wouldn't find myself, I I wouldn't be surprised if I see a banana bread ad on my Facebook mm-hmm. about twenty right. minutes later. And iCloud Plus like prevent that, and so with I won't go into the de- the details, but like by using Safari, uh, you can browse everything without being scared of being tracked. And what you- I think though that the privacy information, what I read, I'm not sure this is 100% accurate, so don't quote me on this. But what I read is that Facebook is really upset of about Apple cutting this down because it cuts yeah, away a lot of their right. advertising data for location information. So they they were saying that like Facebook was used to track your location via other apps like your photos using the GPS location and things like that. Whereas now it locks that down. So if you say through your phone, don't share your location data with Facebook, they actually can't access it, even though they could before via other apps, which I think is interesting. So that's where their panic is that they can't l- locate the person. And the, mm-hmm. so the ads won't be as targeted. But I, I do have to bring an interesting point towards Apple's marketing the privacy strategy. So the shielding yourself from being tracked on the internet only works on Safari, yeah, and it will mm-hmm. not work on other browsers. And currently, Safari is not the most popularly used website. And yeah. like I think, tying back to all this, like it, it's just another marketing strategy mm-hmm. for Apple to popularize their app more. And I think I don't know I think they're getting their way. Like they, they're getting there. I feel like Hopefully after this, more and more signal. people. It would signal to the market that like yeah. a big enough company is doing it, right. and you better compete and you better follow mm-hmm. suit. Like the mm-hmm. most recent example, I forgot. I have to go back to that podcast, but it's something Apple also did on its App Store, and then Chrome kind of 
immediately did it like the month after because basically it's like the battle for who controls the market and if consumers just keep coming back to apple then chrome even though it controls the majority of the thing right has to follow suit yeah right let's talk hacking all right I would like to move on to security incidents that are happening in America right now. So I think cybersecurity wise, the news in America is really exciting. Maybe not exciting is not the right word because a lot of things are bad things are happening, but like very hot news right now. So this past week, JBS is a it's a foods company and they produce meats in America and they had a security incident, a security breach, a ransomware attack, and they basically shut down. I, I think that they shut down their systems and so their employees couldn't log in or couldn't get into the building or something. So people weren't able to work. And because people weren't able to go to work, the production of meat dropped by 25% for the week. And so they're anticipating the prices of meat to rise and the distribution to be more challenging. And I guess the variety to be lessened. I think it's interesting that this comes after the colonial pipeline attack which happened mm-hmm. a few a month ago, two months ago yeah. now, which attacked the Colonial Pipeline Company, who produced a quarter of America's gas and so increased the fuel cost of in America. Were you familiar with this? Sorry, um, go ahead. Not with the JBS Foods. I, I think you summarize it very well. I learned that from this Hackenden article. So mm-hmm. good job, uh, yes, Tara. Tara. Yeah, but yeah, I remember about the colonial pipeline ransomware as well as the attack. Mm -hmm. We based in North America, uh, in America, so we care about these three, but apparently there have been incidents in like the Ukraine, some European countries as well of like criminals that just kind of increase incidents of cybersecurity attack and ransomware attack on different facets of society, including corporations, mm. but also the government. Like the, the SolarWinds one actually affects like a good portion of the U.S. government that was like, using, and I think it's what is called like a supply chain attack. Mm-hmm, so like, mm-hmm. instead of going to one particular entity, they like go to the one of the kind of components, like one of the systems. Yeah, that it's operational. Lot, yeah. yeah, like a lot of companies and a lot of organizations and government entities use to just like operate, like you say. So it's very masterful. It's very hard to track. Like it's, it's like almost impossible to trace to the origins of many of these attacks. And a lot of the time, like the incentive is unclear like for example the 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 ransomware attack it just with the colonial pipeline it's just clear that attackers just want like millions and i think today the ceo or whoever that leads colonial pipeline like testify against congress for his decision to pay the 400 millions Mm -hmm. and like why that was just but in other times we don't know like with the solo win ones uh, or with this jbs food one it could be it could be like a state funded one and you would never know because some of these are just so like masterfully masked right so yeah I just thought we're living in such interesting time like we're talking about this like apple privacy move and then we also talk about the governments and like corporations like being aware of justice and stuff 
We also have to talk about like relationships between countries mm-hmm. and all of these pieces just fall together. Like we have the, the Russia-US relation that we have to think about and like how the 20 as well as 2016 elections kind of are the catalyst for a lot of these things. Obviously, I'm speculating like a shit ton here. So mm-hmm. don't quote me on any of these. Yes. <laughs> like even like the best detectives. and Yeah. The best well, the, the, I think yeah. that they're saying that JBS and the Colonial Pipeline were both speculated to be from Russian attack groups. Right. Yeah. So like, what does that mean? Is it just like the inconvenience of people not being able to lock in? What else can these people do? Will it, like with a couple of keystrokes, it can turn from inconvenience to like actual catastrophe and mm-hmm. like actual tragedy if we don't pay attention and we don't strengthen the security system and not getting ahead of the curve when it comes to cyber attacks. So I think it's like, extreme important like national Mm -hmm. security matters and because it's happening so much more often now the average consumer and the average citizen like got made aware of it right like with the colonial pipeline i just remember those images of like people not being able to get gas or like hoard gas and it's like the economic impact of that all as well it just it feels more real now that Mm -hmm. like it just happens more often and the impact is being felt on the okay (laughs) i feel like this is gonna be a weird thing to say but i feel like if i was a hacker i would be really intrigued about doing the research behind these projects that they're doing like how would you identify that the colonial pipeline would have been a good one to target if we shut down the system then like half of america's gas is gonna go away can you imagine doing all of the research that goes into that it seems wild yeah yeah, because I mean, you don't only have to active. think about the you. I just you might I don't know like you'd have to think about guess the economic impact first of all of the attack, and then you'd have to find your way in, find a vulnerability, and then like access into the systems and everything, like all of the yeah. little details, like sending finding someone who's going to open a malicious link or however you're going to get in there. Like, it's just gonna, it's interesting to Sounds think like about the thought process, too, behind like a hack attack. Yeah, I just want to say, Lynn, you're familiar with Black Mirror. I feel like this can totally be something like brought uh, yeah. out from a movie and um, which got me thinking, like, how close to that reality are like are we now? Like God. we are so close to that reality where different countries use technology to win in the competition, like mm-hmm. and to win over other countries. And this might be one of the strategies for them to bring I mean, down. Espionage is as everything. old as countries were formed, right? Like it's not, oh, like yeah. it's not a new kind of like phenomenon. Yeah. But no, what is no. new about these things is like all of these sophisticated kind of like technological advantage that these uh, mm. criminals, these cyber criminals were able to deploy. Yeah, not unlike the ones from Black Mirror, like the one that came to mind is that bees episode where what, like you the get massacre. death to someone and then everyone that like do the hashtag death to someone like got hacked and died of- <clears throat> Spoilers yeah. alert. Okay, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> if, I mean, have you been on under a rock? If you yeah, have, I like, feel like if you missed it, I've never watched it. I'm not upset. 
because it's been out for a while. I had my chance. <laughs> okay, so actually, the last thing that I want to chat about today is Bezos. He is taking a trip to space just 15 days after he steps down uh, officially from his CEO position at Amazon. Bezos will be aborting the Blue Origin, which is the first his first mission to space. It's I think he's going to be in space for 11 minutes along with his brother and mm -hmm. a person, some other people who have not been identified yet. And then also one person who is going to be there by, which is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about that, I, Kian? <laughs> I don't know. I wonder how much is it. Can Hakanoon can send me there yeah, uh, as a no. representative? What if we all pool together our life savings and send David <laughs> to space with Bezos? You know what, Amy? I, I think with that, I'm it, it will never be enough for us to <laughs> get a spot there. <laughs> like I feel like it has to be trillions of dollars, like to to be to guarantee a spot there. I don't know. Hey, you don't know the personal finances of everyone on this team. What if we've got a billionaire? Oh, oh no! Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, okay, I, I should be more respectful to you, Amy. <laughs> I, no, it's not me. It's not me. But what if it's someone uh, else? But what if? Okay, what if it's you? I don't know. I, I feel like I it's you. I just wanna say, oh my goodness. Mark Bezos, who the hell is Mark Bezos? Why am I just hearing about him today? And why the hell does he look like Jeff's doppelganger? Like, like he looks just like Jeff, but with a mustache. Like, yeah, kind it of. just blows my mind that he has a brother who kind yeah. of is clone. Like and he's the first real? time he's coming out into public, it's, oh, I'd be honored to go to space with you. <laughs> <laughs> what a debut. <laughs> uh. All right. Thank you guys for coming on the podcast. What a vibe today. A sibling vibe. I'm so excited to have been the Asian adopted vibe. Dow. Yes, I'm the, I've been the adopted Dow of the day. Thank you guys for my Dow time. <laughs> 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 of course you gotta if, if you like this episode of the Hacker Noon podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share and like it. And also, this episode was edited by Audio Wizard Alex, produced by Hacker Noon, and hosted by me, Amy Tom. Stay weird, and we will see you on the internet. Goodbye. <laughs>